because it was then that I recognized I can't control what's going on around me, but I could always control my thoughts. Brandon Farbstein, welcome to the POV's couch. For anyone watching, this has been a long time coming. I feel like I've been dreaming of having you on the show, but also just in front of me in person for years. Yes, I so know. So thank you for being here. I'm so excited to be here, Sophie. Thank you for having me. We've been connected for a couple of years yeah. now through our friend Absolutely. and also through the clubhouse world and among so many other things. And we've had so many conversations. We've even co-planned and facilitated conversations yeah. together. We were a dream team. <laughs> so being able to actually be in the driver's seat and ask you questions today is such an exciting moment for me. Definitely, me too. So, you so ready? glad that we could do this. Let's do it. Let's dive in. Brandon, every time I have a guest here on POVs, I like to start out with a question that will take us beneath the surface. Yeah. And I want to hear more about all of the things that make you you through the lens of self-love. So Brandon, my question for you is, does self-love only come from within? I think it needs to initialize from in side of us because if we're always looking for other people or even other things to happen in order for us to feel love or fulfilled or worthy then we're not going to be able to sustain our own level of being able to love others and be there in the way that we should the only way that we could do that is loving ourselves first. And that's way easier said than done. You can't snap your fingers and all of a sudden, ooh, I love myself. But at the same time, when you could understand, it's a process, it's always evolving. And we always have to be willing to learn. The reason I ask you this is because you are an expert, in my opinion, when it comes to self-love. In my own life, I thought that self-love was only found through validation and love from yeah. others. A lot of us get caught up with that nowadays and technology and the way that we're constantly taking in everyone's opinions of ourselves. Absolutely. So where did your journey with self-love start? I think it started with the fact that I had none when I was a kid. I resented every aspect of being me and just being in this body that was so different from those around me. For those that don't know, I was born with a rare form of dwarfism called metatrophic dysplasia. And so rare that there are only 84 cases of my condition reported ever in medical history. My bone growth has been stunted. My joints kind of grow in a unique way. And so that came with a lot of surgeries and just pain and feeling like I was too different. But I think recognizing what it was like to be in one of my lowest points. When I was 11 years old, I nearly took my life because I just thought there was no meaning to me. It took truly getting to that point of feeling so isolated and so at the end of my rope that I wanted to die. And that was a huge catalyst to get the help that I needed from a counseling and therapy standpoint, because it was then that I recognized I can't control what's going on around me, but I could always control my thoughts. But it gave me that power to be in the driver's seat of my life for the first time. I had to really go through that and dig deep in order to get to a place personally where I could start cultivating a sense of recognizing my own 
awesomeness and seeing that honestly being unique is a superpower. And once you're able to tap into that, doors and opportunities open that you literally never knew existed. And I think my story is a great example of just that. Even though you share that in your writing and in your speaking, the fact that you have owned your story and taken control, I think is so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. While you were talking, it took me back. I had this flashback to the first time that I talked to you. And I don't think I even realized this, but I remember exactly where I was. I was pacing around my apartment. We were on a phone call together. Yeah. And I remember you sharing your story with me. And I very vividly remember tearing up in my apartment. And I remember when we were talking, you told me a lot about the bullying you experienced. What were some of those moments that you felt you couldn't broach or get over that led yeah. you to that point? It's interesting because looking back at that first moment that I just described when I was 11, I hadn't really experienced that much bullying at that point in my life. And it was more just feeling excluded. That was just a, a period where I had to, again, go through it myself in order to almost see what was inside of me, the resilience and the strength and the bravery and all of those things, but it came because of the pain. And that was a direct correlation. I think I had two moments where not just when I was 11, but also in the absolute thick of cyberbullying in high school, when it was excruciating, I started receiving a new threat or someone saying, go kill yourself almost on a weekly basis. Whether it was an Instagram account created for the sole purpose of degrading and harassing me, saying this midget is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. He should have been gassed in the Holocaust. Taking my TED talk and things that I was posting on Instagram and when I was featured in the press, the, the good that I was doing in the world, they were taking that and just distorting it to a point where that was the image of myself. And that's scary as absolutely anything looking back because like that was my truth. How did you pull yourself out of that? I know you mentioned that you sought out help. Yeah. What Do you remember what that first conversation looked like? How did you find the courage to actually do something instead of taking an action that you couldn't reverse? So quite frankly, it was in the moment of me being, I would say, seconds away from taking my own life that my mom was the one that came in my room and stopped me from putting a belt around my neck. And she wrapped me in her arms and we just sat there crying on my bedroom floor for 10 minutes. And that was the night that she sought out for the first time therapists and mental health support. It just was this moment where the floodgates totally opened and like a tsunami of just devastation and feeling so alone that I couldn't take it anymore. I was in therapy from that point on when I was at that point of being 16 and I would say either a sophomore or a junior in high school and it got really, really bad. I had no friends. My self-esteem was absolutely non-existent. It took me not only going to a different therapist where I finally found the resonance and the connection with that new one. But it took me getting out of that school to finally reach a point of 
feeling safe, but also feeling like I could be above water. I wasn't drowning. Getting out of that environment that was so toxic was just a, a huge step in my overall trajectory. And it also meant those people weren't having control or power over me anymore. And that was probably an incredible feeling. It was everything. Yeah. yeah. I find it so amazing, Brandon, that to this day, you've essentially decided to completely say F the haters. Like you've completely moved forward. You've built this incredible platform dedicated to elevating empathy. Have you been able to talk to any of those people in your life from your past? Do you still think about them or do you feel like you've reached a point of self-love and self-acceptance where you really don't even have to worry about those pieces of your childhood? Yeah, that's a great question. Those scars are always gonna be there. What they did to me and the impact that it had on just my mental health and my well-being at that point, that's never gonna go away. But what does go away is having that wound close and putting a Band-aid on it that isn't going to get ripped off anymore because I'm able to not have those thoughts be my reality anymore. I've learned through therapy and counseling and honestly just personal development that I am in control of my thoughts and what goes on inside my head. And it's freaking hard. And I'm not trying to make it seem like it's this like super simple thing that we could just do and it's going to happen. We have to practice. We have to work on it. And I think that is honestly why I've been able to take my story and turn it into a, a source of personal power that not only has been a huge catalyst for my own growth, but I've been able to show other people, listen, you don't need to be confined or defined by what happens to you or the condition that you are in, the background, the lifestyle, like any of those things, we set the definition of who we are. And I think, again, when we realize that, it just puts us on a totally different level of life. Absolutely. Thank you for reaffirming to me and so many that that doesn't happen overnight. You know, growth and self-love and self-acceptance isn't this thing that we can find the magic cure yeah. for and learn in a book and fix everything at right. all at once. I wanna carry this theme of self-love and self-acceptance through some other moments in your life yeah. because you're a multifaceted person with so many amazing parts of your identity. Have there been other parts in your journey or at this moment in your life where you have struggled with self-love and self-acceptance, maybe around a different aspect of your identity? In my opinion, you're never gonna reach a point of being totally there. For me, it is still something that I work on. And I think the most recent example is the fact that I recently came out as queer on my 22nd birthday. You know, reaching a point, I think first and foremost, of genuine acceptance of who you are and being at a place of feeling proud. I think that is the first step to then kind of opening the door to letting the world in to something that is in a lot of ways vulnerable and very easy to be weaponized and used against you because in a lot of ways we're still living in a world and society that it's not okay to be the fullest version of who you are. I think for me it adds another layer on top of that because I'm in this body and in a world that clearly isn't built for someone like me. I have to work extra hard to make the voice inside my head louder than anyone or anything else around me. And that's something that I'm not gonna lie and say that is 
uh, an easy aspect of my life. I struggle with it every day. But the fact that I'm in a place that I could manage it and I have a level of presence and control over who I am and how I show up. And that sets the precedent. The fact that, again, I've reached a point where I have this level of comfortability and just genuine confidence in who I am and how I'm stepping out into the world. And knowing that it's going to genuinely empower others to be the most real and authentic version of themselves too. Heck yeah. I mean, Brandon, watching you not only share your story to uplift individuals, I feel like you've built an incredible community around you, which I'm sure in a way has served as like a force field to like make sure that you are surrounding yourself with the people yeah. that uplift you. Absolutely. Do you ever sometimes still get lonely and feeling like you're still navigating your place in this world and tapping into that community? Because it totally. sounds like you're at a place where you found incredible self-confidence and acceptance, does that still come at a toll with finding the right people and figuring out where you belong? Yeah, for sure. I'm constantly in front of thousands of people at a time in like big stages and conferences and things like that. And then I go back home to my apartment and I'm totally alone. I don't really have a lot of friends and that is really tough because yes, you could have as many people as you want to DM or notifications on your social media, or honestly just people even calling you, but it's not the same as having a face-to-face -face human connection with someone else. And that's been something that I think I've always struggled with. I don't necessarily think operate or see the world in the same way as a lot of people my age. And while I think that's awesome because it, has allowed me to do all of the things that I've done, it also means that I don't necessarily relate to peers as easily. Finding your community, your A-team, I think is so incredibly important, but it doesn't have to be in the same like model or the same path as what someone else does. We can do what works for us. Absolutely. And I've been for sure following that. And that's what I think Gen Z is so, notorious for. I think our generation is breaking a lot of these molds yeah. that we've been taught to follow. How do we create a more empathetic world? How do we find empathy towards ourselves, yeah. but especially for others who don't share our experiences and upbringing? I think just mention the answer. It starts with us. The first thing that we have to do is take care of the person that we see in the mirror. Because if we don't have a genuine sense of empathy and just overall taking care of our mental well-being, we cannot show up for other people, period. In order to genuinely serve and make the biggest mark, the biggest impact that we can, it has to start with us and how we're treating the person that we are with literally 100% of the time. I think it all starts with the voice inside your head. And something so simple too that I personally do, I unfollow and I'm like so intentional about who I'm consuming on social media. And I genuinely will do like an audit every couple of weeks or so of who is in my feed. If we're consuming content on a daily basis that is doing nothing 
but bringing us down, making us loathe the person that we are or think that we need to be more or like a different version of the person that we actually are. That is doing so much harm. And I don't think we recognize it. Oh my gosh, But absolutely. something so simple as pressing unfollow or delete or block has literally the most profound impact. And I oh could tell gosh. you from personal experience. Ooh, that is huge. Yeah. And it's something I definitely struggle with. I think when we compare our following yes. list, I'm always of the opinion that follow everyone, you know, be friends with everyone. Yeah. And I'm realizing nowadays that that actually makes me so incredibly unhappy. It's draining in a it's lot of ways too. So draining. And Brandon, I know we started off by talking about those depths of your life where you really disliked yourself. Yeah. Would you say that where you are now, you are completely happy with who you are? And have you seen that full transformation through those actions? Have you gotten to a place where you really wouldn't change anything because you are so happy with who you are? I don't think I'm there yet. Partially it's due to age and just figuring out my, my footing in a lot of ways in the world. But also it's still cultivating my own inner sense of self. It's something I work on every single day when we're talking about like self-love and the voice inside my head, making sure that I'm being kind and I'm being a good person to myself like I would be to you, one of my close friends. We have to start treating ourselves like we do those that we love and respect. We have two choices to make. We either become our friend and become somebody that we could enjoy spending time with, or we could do the opposite and loathe and resent, be angry at the person that we are or even who we're not. That choice, choice is ours. Yeah, it's yeah. a choice. When I'm at sometimes in my darkest moments, I don't realize that it's a choice that I have yeah. to make. So thank you for reminding me that we all have agency to do that. Our show is really about bringing people closer to your point of view, because yeah. I believe that the more access we can have to someone's experience and story outside of our own, the more we cultivate empathy and that empathy Big leads time to changing the world around yep. us. What would you want someone to know who's listening, who maybe doesn't quite understand your point of view on the world or hasn't quite found that self-acceptance within themselves? The biggest thing that I would want to leave that person with is truly recognizing that difference equals a superpower. Like uniqueness is a superpower, but just we don't need to be necessarily unique, but we do need to be different. We were put here to be us. And when you realize that and stop trying to be some version of yourself that doesn't exist, you will unlock your own personal superpower too. Really the world reacts to you in a much different way when you are able to just be you and stop hiding behind a facade. I couldn't have said that better. I am so grateful you shared that, Brandon. I want to take us to our next segment here on POVs, where we start introducing some other perspectives yeah. from the larger Gen Z community. I want you to read these messages out loud and then share your POV. Cool. So keep an eye on your phone. People who still go on Clubhouse have some serious problems. Get a real life with real friends. That feels personal, um. especially when <laughs> Clubhouse is too big as I think I have a, a different POV than I used to have, though. Yeah. And this is an important reminder, I think as well, that just because you had a certain experience before doesn't necessarily mean that's the way that it is right now. And obviously we could only speak from like 
our own personal experience and not from anything else, but the platform that we were on and like the community that we loved and built, it's not there anymore. I think it says a lot more about the app, not necessarily about like the people because the people are still there doing there as in like in the world, doing amazing work and killing it in a lot of ways. It's still a tool for some people. And if they get value out of it and they're still connecting yeah. and learning or whatever it is that, that they're doing on Clubhouse, good for them. And why should we judge them for doing something that makes them feel more connected? Valid. And I, I think I'll end it at that. Valid. Don't yuck someone's yum. Correct. If people still love Clubhouse, Easy. let them love it. Yeah. I feel like everyone is making fun of me behind my back and I don't know what to say to stand up for myself. So I feel like I have been exactly where this person is right now. Because when you have peers telling you that you're not enough, you start believing it. And it has to be a sense of taking a step back and recognizing that those people are already hurting so much to be in a place of having to take that out on you. I think it says so much more about that person than it does about you. And I think when I was in high school, especially it was the other way around, I thought I was doing something wrong. When I look back, it's truly the fact that hurt people hurt people. And that's why it's so much more important to be able to take care of yourself and have a sense of empathy and self-love so that you are able to really be in a place of recognizing that and being bigger than whoever those people are. That person needed to hear that today. So thank you for sharing mm. that. Ooh, all right, we have, a, we have a lot to talk about here. All DEI efforts are performative, period. So I know you do a lot of DEI work. Yeah, and so thoughts? for those that don't know, DEI is diversity, equity, and inclusion. While we're kind of talking about this, it's not like a monolith. There's no one way of doing things yeah. or whatever. So I think that's just important context. First and foremost, what DEI does, in my opinion, is it brings awareness. There are so many people that are going about their day-to-day -day lives that genuinely don't know what it is like to be a blind person because they've never interacted with a blind person. They don't know what it is like to be someone who is trans and person of color because maybe they don't have somebody like that in their life. So that is why the importance of representation and simply awareness is there to begin with, in my opinion. I do want to recognize the validity of this comment when it comes to there are literally, uh, I think, more than I could name when it comes to companies that have just done it to check a box. And you could clearly see they are doing something about a certain group of people without that group of people. So we have to recognize not every company is doing it right, but there are a lot of companies that are doing things in a million times better of a right direction than where we currently are. And I think the, the first step is bringing those people into the conversation. We don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel. We just need to bring up another chair at the table that we're already sitting at. So good. Such a valid point of view. Like we have to acknowledge what is performative, but also all of the other things that are out there that are fantastic. Yes. And it all goes back to that intention. Why yes. are we pushing for DEI and who are we including at the table? Correct. And you could tell even if something is just 
a commercial and, and that point that I made at the beginning, that awareness piece, if it's just bringing a level of, hmm, I didn't think about this or I didn't realize that that group of people is dealing with X, Y, Z, that can go so much farther than we realize. Absolutely. I low-key think everyone should experience bullying at one point in their life. It builds character. We definitely shouldn't be encouraging bullying by any means. It doesn't do good. Whatever somebody experiences that is traumatic or something that really makes them cultivate a sense of resilience or whatever that is, yes, that is going to build character. But that I wouldn't wish on anyone, no matter what it is. Yeah. And have you heard that perspective before? Like, I've definitely heard parents yeah. say like, oh, they're just kids being kids. Like, you know, they need to rough it out and they'll be stronger totally. for it. I've also heard similar kind of rhetoric from parents, but they don't necessarily realize the genuine effects that bullying takes, yeah. especially when it comes to when a youth hurts themselves or they hurt others. It is so often because of bullying. If you are able to take what was very painful and through tools that you find, whether that's therapy or personal development that can help you move through it and heal, it is a game changer. I feel like something we heard a lot back in the clubhouse days was the importance of turning your mess into your message. Yeah. But I don't think we should be encouraging a mess to begin with. <laughs> Brandon, drop a hot take. Brandon, what do you got? Okay, so disability, that word is not a bad word. And it's not something that we should shy away from. So often what I've picked up on is that our society thinks that we need to not address things head on, especially when it comes to like someone who was born differently or not the same as you. If we are coming from a place of wanting to genuinely learn and be inquisitive, that's one thing. But it's another to put our own like predispositions and misconceptions on others. And a great example of that is literally the word disability. I hear so many things that people try to use instead of saying disability, special needs, differently abled, um, like just all of these things. And listen, there again, I'm going to say it's not a monolith, anything. There is no like one way of, of being or doing, especially when it comes to disability, because it's actually the largest minority group in the world. A lot of people don't know that. So yeah, just a hot take. Honestly, just use the person's name. Like stop trying to figure out the PC, the, you know, the correct term to describe somebody or to just like acknowledge their presence. Literally just ask for their name, mic drop, done. Brandon, that was so good. <laughs> and I'm so glad you brought that up because in a lot of ways, I think as someone who would never want to offend someone yeah. or say the wrong thing, I find myself avoiding the word disability right. for fear of offending someone. Of when in reality, it's not a bad word. And even if we're not even talking about the word disability, you're so right. We should just refer to people as they are. Like, I mean, even, you know, me, I have a condition that causes dwarfism and people are so often trying to figure out what is the, the correct 2022 term. And I'm like, my name is Brandon. For your own knowledge, it's either little person or dwarf and never midget when referring to somebody of short stature, but 
honestly, just ask for the person's name and you will go so much farther. As we're coming full circle on our conversation today, I first just want to thank you for being so open and willing to share some of the really difficult moments of your life that amounted to your POV today because it didn't happen like that. And as you know, we're a Gen Z platform. A lot of the work that you do is really uplifting Gen Z. If you had a microphone or a megaphone right now that could reach our entire generation and you could share one thing and one thing only, what would it be? We as young people, we're not the future. We're the right now. And we have so much opportunity and possibility every single day with what is before us and what we have to create positive change in the world. Can't wait to see how you do it. Love it. You even brought it back to We the Future. So (laughs) you're so right, Brandon. And thank you for all that you do to remind everyone around you, myself included, that what makes us different can truly be the thing that changes the world. So thank you for doing that every day, showing other people how to channel and foster more self-love. I know I am such a better person for knowing you and just so grateful you were here. I appreciate you so much, my friend. It was such an honor to be on. We could have talked so for hours. I'm so proud of you for building this incredible platform, truly. Can Absolutely. I hug you? Yes. The best. Brandon. Like, appreciate it's you. crazy because I've heard you share your story so many times. Like something about that, it was just different being yeah. on your face. I mean, it, it really just speaks to the power of like human connection. It's yeah. one thing to have technology that is able to like connect us in the first place, but it's just not the same. Brandon, thank you so much. Of course. Thank Can we you. take a selfie? Yeah, of course. Let's do it. Ready?